0: Hi, welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Tom Solopek from Cross Asset Strategy. I'm joined by my colleague Eric Beinstein, head of US Credit Strategy. Eric, it's been kind of good times for, for both equities and bond markets, let's say starting from October uh, with this theme of faster disinflation than we initially thought. Looking at the markets right now, it looked like perhaps stock markets might stall a bit after the big rally in, in November, December. And right now we're at the point where stock markets are actually pushing through new highs, in particular S&P and NASDAQ and and VIX very low. So can you tell us what what are the main developments in the high-grade market year-to-date?
1: Sure. Thanks, Tom. So also, uh, we've had a strong market uh, the last two months of last year and so far in January. So month-to-date, the spread on our high-grade bond index, the spread over treasuries, is five tighter to 109 basis points over treasuries just for context this is only four basis points above the 15-year low where the post financial crisis uh tightest levels so were at 109 and the tightest we've seen since 2007 was 105. spreads are uh very much at the tight end of their recent range now yields are higher yields are about 21 basis points higher because the treasury market has moved and so the the return on high grade is actually minus year to date. But the focus of of investors is on the spread over treasuries. And that has, you know, there continues to be strong demand and it's rallied. And what's interesting is the issuance has been very heavy. So, year to date, or month to date, year to date, we've had 150 billion of new high grade bonds issued. Last year, uh, the average was about 100 billion a month. Usually, January is a heavier month. But we are already at 150 billion, and it's only January 22nd as we're recording this, and so there's still a week and a half to go. So we may have um, issuance, you know, at 175 billion or higher, and even then, even with all this new primary market supply, there's enough demand that spreads are are near their tights. And so, coming into the month, people were wondering whether a heavy January would push spreads wider, and the heavy January supply has not done that. Actually, spreads are, are tighter. And the last point I would make is. Uh, within the market, the heaviest part of issuance has come from the financials, and that's typical. Financials usually uh, they they report earlier than non-financials, and they tend to come to market with fundraising earlier. But even with that, financial spreads are outperforming. They lagged a little bit last year, and investors are focused on the sectors of the market that have lagged. And even with the heavier new issue supply, they've tightened a little bit. So it has been a strong start to the year.
0: You know, when we talk about government bonds, we we'll often bring up this idea that. You know, with the end of QE transition to QT, the, the price insensitive buyers are gone and now we're stuck with the price sensitive buyers. So when, when you look at, you know, credit markets, how does that look in terms of what types of investors are, are driving spreads higher and to what extent is there a slice of the market that's going to look around and check out the options now that that spreads are tight?
1: The most clear data we get is from the mutual fund and ETF flows just for some context in high grade credit mutual funds and ETFs hold only about 15% of the market you know 85% is in institutional hands insurance and pension and so when we see the fund flow data we have to recognize we're only looking at data on 15% of the market but that said that data has been very strong retail investors have come into the year and i think the sort of you know bonds are back theme that yields are attractive remains the case of course yields are down from their peaks last October, but they're still quite attractive versus their sort of 10-year history. And so I think retail investors are, as they're doing sort of their year-end new year asset allocation, high grade is, is benefiting. Also, we don't have direct evidence, but anecdotally, pension funds are, I think, are pretty active. Uh, you know, pension funding status has improved thanks to the equity market rally um, and to the you know the higher yields over the last couple of years. And what we've seen in the treasury market is in December was a record amount of strips creation, treasury strips, which is basically a product that pension funds buy. So that's a fixed income product they buy. We think they're also active in credit markets. Where there's probably a little bit less activity is from overseas investors. You know, hedging costs remain high in some markets, particularly for the Asian-based investors, because, you know, the Fed has not yet lowered rates. In Europe, the numbers have gotten a little bit better, uh, but we still think it's probably mostly domestic uh, demand that's helping. And in terms of the you know, yield sensitive or not yield sensitive, I think what's happening is many investors agree with the Jake Morgan view that yields are going to be lower as the year goes on. The high grade asset class is sort of the longest duration, fixed income asset class. You know, the index overall has got a longer duration than the treasury market. Um, and so if you believe in, in yields coming down, you want to have longer duration, and that's where high-grade fits in. And so I think that's part of the demand as well.
0: For our cross-asset indicators, we often put together these recession indicators, which, which basically look at where is the drawdown off the peak and what does that imply relative to earlier recessions in terms of how much recession probability are the asset classes pricing in? So effectively, if you have, let's say, stocks at new highs, stocks are pricing in zero chance of recession. If you look at given you know where spreads are, ninety eighth percentile of, of tightness, or what catalyst do you see for a, a less bullish tone and spread widening? Put it in the context of you know just this extreme complacency right now we're seeing in the markets. It's a good
1: question, and you know one of the points I'll make, and, and forgive me if it's a little bit too simplistic, but just compared to equity markets, you know equity markets are, are trending; you know, they tend to go up over time. Uh, spreads are not. You know, there's a there's a limit at zero theoretically spreads could go negative but there's a limit at zero and there's credit risk and so for, so for example you know our index right now is at 109 6 years ago in 2018 it was at 109 and yet the S&P has doubled in those 6 years well credit spreads are unchanged i do think that a lot of good news is priced in sure, so by definition we're near the 15 year tights as you know as a, as a strategist you know the things that we think about are not normal, usually what come to hit us you know a year ago right around this time or a few weeks later we had the regional bank crisis that was not on most people's radars that that caused spreads to widen and, and stocks to, to move of course we have earnings season coming up we don't expect anything really negative there but one of the features of the last couple of years since the fed started raising rates is investors have been worried about recession and so have companies and they've behaved conservatively we've seen share buybacks and dividends are down um, as companies have held onto liquidity M&A has been lighter uh, because fund costs have been higher. I think in 2024, if and when the Fed starts cutting and yields come down, uh, we'll see a little bit more focus, perhaps, on shareholders' shelter payouts at the expense of creditors. M&A may pick up. There's a lot of news stories about how, after a couple of quiet years, that 2024-25 may be active for M&A. So I think those are things that I, I wouldn't put on the list as like as like event risk sort of blowing spreads out but just reminding people that credit spreads are tight and and companies may get a little less focused on creditors as they get less worried about recession. We're at yields of about 5.4. As if treasury yields come back down again and we go below five, I think that makes the yield argument a little less strong than it is now. Of course, there's geopolitics that we all are reading about every day in the papers as event risks. So there's a lot of things out there that could um, remind people that spreads are very tight and perhaps
0: time to wait for a little better entry point. So, can you go into a little bit more detail on your M and A expectations and how they'll impact the market? Bonds issued to fund M and A
1: in the high grade market represent roughly every year between fifteen and twenty percent of the supply. So, it's a meaningful percent. In the last few years, we've had about one point two trillion of supply. So, M and A's been anywhere from like one twenty billion to over two hundred billion. In equity markets, M and A is usually a good thing; companies being taken out of premium. In, in credit markets it's usually neutral to negative because it means more debts issued, so there's just more supply of bonds, and also it could mean more leverage uh, being put on uh, the acquired company uh, or the acquiring company adding, adding leverage to, to fund the acquisition. Um, the M&A that we've seen over the last few quarters has been mostly equity finance, so it hasn't really been a negative for credit. In some cases, it's meant consolidations that have led to improved credit quality. But over time, historically, especially as markets get more bullish, uh, and if m a picks up, the more negative kind could come in, the leveraging kind and supply kind. So we're watching that closely. You know, we do continue to have an administration in Washington, which is you know, pretty vocal focusing on antitrust. And so I think at least for this year, uh, large deals that would require Justice Department approval are probably, we're not going to see many of those. But of course, we have an election at the end of the year. So that could uh, change that math depending on how it comes together.
0: In our asset allocation, we've been a bit more bearish on high yield than than high grade and happy to be long high grade up till now and and high yield worried about the spread tightening and and default risk. So how are you thinking about high yield relative to high grade right now?
1: High grade is basically flat on the year. You know, it's plus seven basis points. Why high yield is plus seven basis points. So high grade is minus five. So high grade is outperforming a little bit. Still, high yield spreads at 384 are still you know, quite tight, so I, I wouldn't point to too much of a divergence. But uh, I think the fact that investors are focused on duration and the high-grade market is longer duration, and also financials have been the, uh, leading the spread tightening, and most financials are high-grade rated, not high-yield rating, is part of the reason why high-grade has uh, outperformed In terms of default risk, we actually think that default rates are going to tick down slightly in 2024 versus 2023. In both years, they'll be about 3%, which is the long-term average, actually, around 3%. Um, But just based on looking at the names that are trading at the stress levels, which we usually have a pretty good window on because it kind of takes a while for companies to get in trouble before they file, we we sort of have a, a window in that. It looks like it's going to tick down a little bit. Now, that will depend, of course, on economic growth and how that plays out. Of course, as you know, J Morgan does not expect the recession, although we expect growth to be slow in the middle of the year. Um, you know, if that proves to be more negative, then default rates would be, would be higher. I think that as people look forward to 24-25, you know, there is a, a maturity wall that's coming up more in 25. And so we'll see how default rates evolve over the next couple of years. Uh, but near term, a uh, high grade is outperforming, thanks to uh, the longer duration
0: and the focus on financials. Well, great. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Thanks for that update. And thank you all for tuning into JP Morgan TV.